0: Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. How many of y'all have, have been, I mean, unless you live on another planet, you probably have heard about identity theft. Anybody ever heard about identity theft? I mean, it's so prevalent. I mean, people are stealing people's ID. Uh, you know, I I Check up regularly through, um, you know, credit bureaus and things like that to see who might be using my credit and things like that. I've even discovered that people have used my name certain times and things like that. So you've you got to be very, very careful because people will steal your identity or they will try. And uh, it's very, very common practice these days. But you know what? It's not something that's new because identity theft has been going on throughout the ages, because the devil is the number one identity thief. He has stolen people's identities all down through history. He's tried to make them believe that there's something that God never intended them to be. That's his biggest device. And if he can can uh, steal your identity, then he's got you. The Bible says in, in John chapter 10, verse 10, and y'all know the, the verse. I hope you do anyway. It says the thief's purpose is to kill, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And that's the New Living Translation. The most valuable thing that you and I possess is our identity. Not just our identity, but our, our true identity in Christ. Knowing who you are in Christ Jesus is the most important thing that you have as a child of God. You know, the Bible says in John 1 11, that as many as received him, to them he gave authority. Everybody say authority authority to be called or to become sons of God. And that word sons there, I mean, don't, don't think that it just is to the male gender. It's gender neutral. It means all of us. You know, in Christ, there's either neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, uh, or anything. We are all one in, in Him. And so when we give our lives to Jesus, we become sons of God because His Spirit gives birth inside of us. We're born again by his spirit. So the devil has attempted to steal our identity. And you know, he even tried it with Jesus. Y'all realize that when the devil tempted Jesus in Luke chapter four, and, and we know the three temptations that he tempted him with. First of all, Jesus was hungry because he'd been fasting for 40 days and nights. And what did the devil say to him? He says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now, what was he trying to do? Was he trying to get Jesus to turn stones into bread? No, he was trying to get Jesus to question his identity. If you are the son of God. And then, you know, he takes him and, and, and he takes him up on top of a temple, the, the temple, the pinnacle of the temple. And he says, if you're the son of God, again, question is his identity. If you are the son of God, jump down and prove that you're the son of God. Well, Jesus knew who he was. He didn't have to prove anything to the devil. Have you ever had the devil try to get you to do something to prove who you are as a son of God? You know, and, and, and the devil is always trying to get us involved into the works game because if he can get us thinking that we have to do something to prove who we are in Christ, then we get involved in in, in works instead of grace. And that becomes bondage because I was reading about that in Galatians this week. Just happens to be my, my study where I am in my Bible study in the book of Galatians. And Paul encountered that very thing where, where it, there was a group of people that he had, had you know, in the, in, the, in the region of Galatia that he had brought to Christ, that he had nurtured and discipled. And what had happened was some Judaizers had come back in that were trying to bring them back under the law of circumcision and the practice of circumcision. And he says, you know, you don't need that. Your circumcision is of the heart, he says. God has called you into grace. And and in, in, in chapter 5, verse 13, he says, brethren, you've been called under liberty. Only you use your liberty not as an occasion for the flesh, but by love serve one another. So God has called us to be free. Aren't you glad of that? It's, it's for freedom that He set you free. And so don't get back under the bondage of works and think that you have to prove something to God. It's not about that. It's not having to measure up to prove who you are in Christ. It's knowing who you are. And then that allows you to be who you are. Just being Christ-like. Amen? Okay. So, Jesus was totally secure in his own identity. He didn't need anybody else's affirmation, his confirmation of of that fact. He knew who it was. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? I, I, I always appreciate my, my brother, Ken Koontz, who several years ago sat me down at a table, and I was struggling because we had just walked through a very, very trying time. And he sat down and he pointed his finger at me and says, who are you? And I'm like, what? You know who I am. You're my neighbor. You've known me for years, you know. He said, I, I said, I'm Don Bess. No, who are you? Well, I'm son of Jimmy Guy and Dicey Bess, and I have 10 brothers and sisters. He says, no. That's not who you are. Who are you? And finally, it dawned on me. I said, oh, I'm a son of the living God. I belong to Jesus. He says, that's it. That's it. Realize who you are in Christ Jesus. Because if you're secure in who you are in him, it doesn't matter what the devil does. Because you realize there's greatness inside of you. Because greatness is greater is he that's inside of you than he that's in the world. Amen? Now, Jesus had returned from the wilderness of temptation and he declared publicly who he was and his purpose in Luke chapter four. He says, and it says, when he came to the village of Nazareth in in verse 16, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up and read the scriptures. The scroll containing the messages of Isaiah, the prophet was handed to him and he unrolled the scroll to the place where it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Wow, this is Jesus. I love this. I mean, he's bold. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed, appointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the downtrodden will be free from their oppressors. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant and sat down. And everyone in the synagogue stared at him intently. Then he said, this scripture has come true today before your very eyes. Because they've been looking for the Messiah. Now Jesus is right there. He's proclaiming to them. I'm the one. I mean, this is me. I'm the Messiah. I've come. He knew who he was. He was secure In who he was. Does it bother you to call yourself a son of God? It shouldn't. It shouldn't. Matter of fact, it should give you a sense of security knowing that you are a son of God. Amen? That's who we are. It's it's not stretching anything. Uh, And it says, all who were there spoke well of him and were amazed by the gracious words that fell from his lips. And then the question arose. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? Wow. Then he said, probably, you will quote me this, that proverb, physician, heal yourself, meaning, why don't you do miracles here in your hometown like you did in Capernaum? But the truth is, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. You know, if we go around telling people that we're sons and daughters of God, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. Who do you think you are to call yourself? You have, you have some unmitigated audacity to call yourself a son or daughter of God, but that's who we are. God's word says that's who we are. The people, especially his hometown, question his identity, and people are always going to question your identity. And more importantly, the devil is going to question your identity. He doesn't want you to realize who you are. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? I mean, people are going to ask that question about you. Who is that? Who are they? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you were blessed Simon, uh, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. And the disciples were not completely sure who Jesus was, were they? They had walked with him, and the question still was in their mind, is this truly the Messiah? A lot of them didn't really believe until after Jesus had, had, had been crucified and risen from the dead. They believed he was. They saw the miracles and everything else. And yet when Jesus was taken into captivity by the Romans, what did they do? Everybody ran. They still weren't sure that this was Jesus, that he was the Messiah. Because he had come saying that he was the king. And yet now he's dead. I mean, can you imagine how they must have felt? There have been times in our life when we felt alienated, disconnected. Anybody ever felt like that? Am I the only one? You've had those times, those moments in your life where you really questioned, God, where are you? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, Lord. I've been praying. I've I've been doing all the things that you tell me to do, but where are you? And God's quiet sometimes. But then it's those times, as it says in Psalm 4610, that we just have to do what? be still and know that I'm God. We still got to know who he is. And more importantly, we got to know who we are in him. God hasn't left us. He said he would never leave us nor forsake us. And he hasn't. He's not going to. So we can just relax. Know that he's going to be there. He always has been. He always will be. But Peter got a hold of something. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And what did, what did Jesus say to Peter? He says, Peter, son of, son, son of John, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. See, it takes the Holy Spirit to reveal to us who we truly are. If we try to grasp it with our mind, we just can't get the concept that we are the sons of God. It's a spiritual birth that makes it happen. It's not just a natural connect with God. It's through the spirit because that which is flesh is flesh and that which is spirit is spirit until we're born again. We can't call ourselves sons and daughters of God. You know, we, 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 we say, you know, we are the children. We are the world. We are all these things, but we're not. Jesus was very matter of fact. When he talked to the scribes and the Pharisees, he said, you are of your father, the devil. Wow. Until we're born again, we're still in its natural state. We're not children of God, not in the sense that God, you know, God created us, yes. But we're still not sons of God until that moment that we're born again by His Spirit, where we allow Him to come in and rule and reign in our hearts. Then we are the sons and daughters of God. Then we are truly who God has called us to be. That's who we are. So how valuable is your identity? How valuable is it? In 1 John chapter 5, verse 18 through 20, it says, We know that those who have become part of God's family do not make a practice of sinning. For God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot get his hands on them. In other words, the wicked one can't touch them. Isn't that good? That's good security, isn't it? That's your security blanket right there. The evil one cannot get their hands on them. We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the power and control of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we can know the true God and we are in God because we are in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is our protection against identity theft. Know who you are. How valuable is our identity? Well, what is your identity? It's the makeup of who you are. It's what we call our suke or our soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's who we are. That's what makes... Us who we are. I have a suitcase. You have a suitcase. We all have a soul. We are a spirit. We have a soul. And we live in a body. We are a tripart being. That's what makes us unique. Brian, you have a soul. You are a very unique individual. There's not another one like you. No, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> There's not another one like me either. The world can only handle one, but my identity is valuable and the devil tried to steal my identity. There was a time in my life. I didn't know who I was. I had no direction. I didn't know where I was going. The enemy had robbed me blind. Literally. I had nothing. I was reduced to absolute nothingness and that's not a bad place to be. Because when I turned to Jesus, he could fill me up. And he has. And he has given me an identity. He's put his spirit within my soul. He's brought it alive. I'm alive. I'm, I have a new identity in him. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Metamorpho. You have been metamorphosized. You're, you're still like that cocoon hanging on the vine. You're still in your little thingy here. You know, you still wound up in there. But there's an emergence taking place. God is bringing you out. And, and he, is, he is molding and shaping you into a new creation, one of beauty. God is doing that in all of us. He's making us into what he wants us to be. It's a beautiful thing. Hallelujah. I, I thank God that I'm not what I was. I'm so glad, you know, I was telling someone the other day that I don't have any pictures of myself from the time I was about 12 years old till I got born again. None. And I thought about that, you know, I thought, you know, that's probably a good thing because that was when I was really rebellious and away from God. It was during those times. So it's like that part of my life has just been wiped away. I have no reminders of it. And that's a good thing. Because I wasn't real happy about what I was at that point anyway. But when Jesus came into my life, he gave me purpose. He gave me a new a new me, a new creation inside of me. See, that's where the creation starts. It starts inside of us, when it's Christ in you. Because the Bible says in Colossians 127 that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not just Jesus inside of you. The word is Christos, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-S, which means anointing. Because that's what Christ means. Anointed or anointed one. So we got the anointed one inside of us, and that's what gives us the ability to change. We can't do it on our own, but with Christ in us, we become like Him and we become a direct reflection of who God is. Because Jesus said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And if people see Jesus inside of us, who do they see? They see the Father. They see the Father. That's our identity. And the enemy would try to steal that away from us. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 16, 24, he says, If you any of you wants to be my follower, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross, come follow me. Now, what happens at a cross? What's it for? It's an instrument of death. So it's the instrument of death of what we were. But at the cross, there's also something that took place. It's like a crossroads of where we were in life. We were going in one direction, and now we repent, and we're going in another direction. Or we were going this way, but now we're going that way. God has changed us and given us a new identity. And 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 so God, God is doing something in us. He says, "You must shoulder your cross and follow me. If you try to keep your life, that word life there is, is in the King James, if you try to keep your soul. Your soul, what is your soul? Your mind, your will, your emotions, your suke. If you try to keep that, in the in the Latin the word is psyche. Same word. In the Greek it's suke, P-S-U-C-H-E, suke. But in the Latin is psychos. P S Y C H O S. Psychos. Same thing. And and it and it deals with who we are and our emotional, our uh our thinking, and and the way that we make decisions and those kind of things. And Jesus said we have to lose it. We have to lose it. We have to lose our suke, our soul, if we're going to get real life. He says if you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find true life. And how do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul in the process? Is anything worth more than your soul? That's a good question. Is there anything worth more than your identity? Is there anything worth more than your soul? Is there? Who are you? Are you going to let the world define who you are? Are you going to let the devil define who you are? Are you going to let God, who designed you, define who you are? Amen? That's what happens when we become born again. We turn our will toward God and we surrender to him. God begins to define us. We have a new purpose. We have a new reason for living because God puts it inside of us. He changes our suitcase so we become a different being. I don't want to get too deep into the the Greek and all of that stuff. It was really, you know, I can just tell you in English and you'll still understand. We become heirs of God. Now, if we have full confidence in what God has done in us, we understand that that the enemy wants to steal our identity. If the enemy can get to us and we allow him to tell us who we are, and use others to do the same, he can rob us of our true identity. So what does God's word say about our identity of who we are? First of all, I gave you the scripture a while ago, John 1.12. John 1.11 says, and He came into his own, his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. And the word sons in the Greek is the word technon, which means a child who is just born, a son, a daughter, an offspring or descendant. That's who we are. We're born of God by the Spirit, but God's desire is not that we see ourselves all the time as children or technon, but that we grow up into him and become sons. We us, mature, full-grown heirs. That's God's design for us is that we grow up and we know who we are, know what our purpose is, know why God has called us, know what our destiny is. And our purpose here at Destiny City is to help others find and fulfill their God-given destiny, to know who you are in Christ, to know what gifts and calling God has put inside of you and allow you to begin to operate in it. That's what it's all about. Amen? Now, you can go to the gym and you can get pumped up. And you can work on your, your physical being. And, you know, you can, you can read books and those kind of things and you work on your mental being. But you have to get into the Word of God and get into the functions and the things of the Spirit to really know who you are in the Spirit, to know your identity in Christ. And, and it's worth something to you. Your identity is worth dying for. So uh, God wants us to know who we are. The word, the word um, says in Romans chapter 8, verse 13, he says, if you live according to the sinful nature, that's who you were. The Bible says in 1 in Corinthians chapter 5 that that's who some of us were. We were this, we were that, we were, we were uh, immoral. We were, some of us, you know, were this. I'm not going to call the sins because it's not worth it, but we were sinners. That's what we were. He said that if you live according to your sinful nature and what your, sin, your sinful nature dictates, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body and live according to your true identity, who you are in Christ, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. This is your true identity you're to be led by the spirit. This is your true identity in him, your sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of, there's the word, sonship. Everybody say sonship. Sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Well, if the Spirit Himself testifies with my spirit that I'm His child, that's enough for me. I don't need anybody else telling me. That's enough. If, if the Father witnesses with me that I'm His child, guess what? I am. So nobody else can tell me that I'm not because His Spirit says that I am. His Word says that I am. Hey, that's good stuff. I mean, we ought to pause right there and just have a shouting time. Amen. (laughs) Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Wow. If we're children, then we are heirs. I mean, come on now. We are heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. Everything that He possesses is ours. We are joint heirs. Are you getting this? I mean, are you truly getting an understanding of who you are in Christ? You're a joint heir with Jesus. You are God's child. That's exciting to me. I don't know about you, but I get all worked up thinking about that. (laughs) The word there, heirs, is the word claronymous. Claronymous, it means heirs are one who inherits. We're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And and the word sonship there is the word weothesia. It means adoption as son of full heirs to all that the father has. We are full heirs. We are partners with Christ. I mean, we're on equal partnership with him. That's cool stuff. I mean, somebody looks at you and say, who do you think you are, the son of God? I say, yeah, I am. Because God's word says that I am. That's who we are and and that's what the devil would try to steal from us Our true identity as sons and heirs of god and all that he's promised to us If someone asks the question who are you most of us likely are to respond by by telling of our occupation or our career choice That's what we do. That's not who we are If someone asks you the question our first response should be I am a son of the living god That's who I am if we're constantly reminding ourselves of this fact we are more likely to live that way And when we do, the devil can't touch us. We have to get it settled in our hearts and our minds that we are heirs of God. Then we can back it up by living according to our true identity. If you are a son of God, live that way. Amen. Don't live like the world and expect to be called a son of God. It just doesn't work. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1 through uh, seven says, what I am saying as long as that as the heir is a child or a technon, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate, he is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, Notice it says, sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. And this is where it gets really good. That we might receive the full rights of sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The one who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir, one who inherits. God has made you an heir. That's who we are. Hallelujah. We're no longer slaves to this world. The devil cannot pull us around with his chain. We're not sitting on his little organ grinder bench anymore. We are sons of God. Don't let the world dictate to you who they think you should be. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and that you be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what we are here for. To show the world that we are the sons of God. To live like children. Like sons of God. That's what we are. Amen. We ought to live like it. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 14. And I love this too. This is Oh man, this is good stuff. This is so good. Not long ago it says, this is the New Living Translation, even before he made the world. Think about that. Not long ago. Not long ago. Even before he made the world. Come on now. See, in God's economy, time doesn't exist. Eternity is not time without end. Eternity is timelessness. With God, there was no beginning and there is no end. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is that which was and is and is to come. Wow. That's our God, and, and Paul writes, and he says, "Not long ago, before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes." My wife and I were just at the Creation Museum up in uh, near Cincinnati, Ohio, or, or up in Kentucky, and and it was amazing to to see all of the exhibits and things that they had in there. Now, you know, man believes that the world is billions and billions of years old. And the Bible says that, you know, if we look at, it, at the scriptures and what the scripture says, we're only 6,000 years old. And I think, what difference does it make? Because with God, there's no end and there's no ending. No ending. There's no beginning, no end. So if it's billions and billions of years, that just proves how great God is. That makes him greater. If it's only 6,000 years and he did all that in 6,000 years and brought us up to this point in 6,000 years, that's incredible too. It doesn't matter. God is is God. And he is eternal. He has no beginning. He has no end. And before the foundations of the world, God was thinking about you and you and you and you and you and all of us. He had a design and a purpose for you. You were on his mind. Hallelujah. God loved us. He chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes before the foundations of the world. He had already set things in motion. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family, bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for his wonderful kindness he has poured out on us because we belong to his dearly loved son. He is so rich in kindness that he purchased our freedom through the blood of his son and our sins are forgiven. Another good place to shout. He showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God's secret plan has now been revealed to us. It is a plan centered on Christ designed long ago according to his good pleasure. And this is his plan. All right. Here it is. This is his plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because of Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us from the beginning. And all things happen just as he has decided long ago. God's purpose Was that the that we who were the first to trust in Christ should bring, should praise our glorious God. And now you also have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, all right, here it is. When you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us everything he has promised, and that he has purchased us to be his own people. and this is just one more reason to praise our glorious God. I agree with that. We ought be praising him right now. We well, ought to just be coming unglued, thinking about all that God has done for us. Now, this, this, this is just a picture of what the devil tries to do to us. There, there was a man, that was, he was walking through the forest one day, and he found a young eagle that had fallen into its nest. He took it home. He put it in his barnyard where, he, where it learned to eat and behave like the chickens. One day, a naturalist passed by the farm and asked why it was that the king of all birds should be confined to live in the barnyard with the chickens. The farmer replied that since he had given it chicken feed and trained it to be a chicken and consequently it had never learned to fly, since now it behaved as the chickens, it was no longer an eagle. Yeah, that's what the devil tries to make us think. That we're not sons of God, that we're just children of this planet, that we came from nothing, we live as nothing, and we die as nothing. We're just, you know, just a glimpse in time, and that's it. That's what the devil would make us believe. We're much more important than that. Because God has placed intricate value in us. And just like that eagle that had determined in his own mind that it was no longer an eagle, And still it has the heart of an eagle, replied the naturalist, and can surely be taught to fly. He lifted the eagle toward the sky and said, You belong to the sky, not to the earth. Stretch forth your wings and fly. The eagle, however, was confused. He did not know who he was. And seeing the chickens eating their food, he jumped down to be with them again. Wow, that reminds me of some folks in this world that can't get a glimpse of who they really are and so they go around eating the food and slop of this world when God has given us food at His table. Yeah, so we just like that eagle, we just jump down like the chickens. And anyway, he jumped down to be with them again. So the naturalist took the bird to the roof of the house and urged him again, saying, "You are an eagle. Stretch forth your wings and fly." But the eagle was afraid of his unknown self and world and jumped down once more for the chicken food. Finally. The naturalist took the eagle out of the barnyard to a high mountain. There he held the king of the birds high above it and encouraged him once again, saying, You are an eagle. You belong to the sky. Stretch forth your wings and fly. The eagle looked around, back toward the barnyard and up to the sky. Then the naturalist lifted him straight toward the sun and it happened that the eagle began to tremble. Slowly he stretched his wings and with a triumphant cry, he soared away into the heavens. Now, it may be the eagle still remembers the chickens with nostalgia. It may be that he occasionally revisits the barnyard, but as far as anyone knows, he's never returned to lead the life of a chicken. You know, I have friends that I knew before I, I met Jesus i witnessed to all of them that I possibly could, shared with them the love of Jesus, and some of them have come to know the Lord, thank God. But there's still some who choose to eat with the chickens, never realizing who they were truly born to be, sons and daughters of God. And so some have experienced the life of an eagle, but you know they still like to go back and be with the chickens because it's easier. They've never soared to the heights that God intended them to soar to. But God has called us to soar. God has called us to rise above. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, who forgives all thy iniquities, who heals all thy diseases, who restores your strength like that of the young eagle. God has destined us to fly. He's never intended that we should be a part of this world. He says, you're in it, but you're not of it. We don't belong here. This world is not our home. This is not our Our citizenship is in heaven. We are strangers and aliens passing through here. We don't belong here because we are sons and daughters of God. We are destined for something greater than this world has. When I look at the book of Hebrews, and Hebrews chapter 11, and the closing statements of that great chapter of faith, it talks about those, even some of them, who never really possessed the things that were promised to them in this life, never gave up hope because they were looking for something greater. They were looking for something greater that this world doesn't possess. I am a son of God. That's who I am. The devil doesn't like it, and that's okay. I'm glad he doesn't like it, because I don't like him. I don't like anything he does. But I love Jesus, and I'm firmly in love with him. I'm so thankful. Are there pleasures in this world? Sure, there's pleasures in sin for a season, but the end result of them is always death and destruction and decay. But the life in the Spirit is always a life that is constantly going higher and higher, greater and greater. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Think about that. Paul writes about him. He says, not so long ago, before the foundations of the world, you were on God's mind. Man, that just, that just amazes me to think that God, who is so much greater, and when I think about time, you know, I've lived on this earth for a good while. I won't tell you how long most of you know. It's over 30 years. A lot, a lot over 30 years. But anyway, it seemed like a long time, but yet a short time. But in light of eternity, it's just a glimpse. What is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. That's what our life here on this earth is. But a life in eternity is one that never, never ends. And to think of it, folks, we were always eternal because we were in the heart and mind of God before the foundations of the world. We were already in God's thinking. He was planting his family and you're part of it. Aren't you glad of that? Don't let anybody steal your identity. Don't let the devil try to tell you who you are, know who you are. And when the enemy comes, understand this. The devil is a liar. He's always been a liar and he always will be a liar. Jesus said he was a liar before the very beginning. He always has been. He always will be. And he loves to lie, he loves to steal, he loves to kill, he loves to destroy. That's all he knows how to do and pervert. He'll take the truth of God and try to twist it. Sometimes it even sounds good, but it's always a lie. Don't let the devil lie to you anymore. Know who you are. Listen to the voice of the Father. Get your instructions from him. Walk in the light of truth. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You don't have to worry about it. It's not a grievous thing. It's not a hard thing. It's just simply walking in the light of the truth. Knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. And as a child of God, knowing who you are in Him, that takes all the work out of it. Daddy loves me. He's going to take care of me. I don't have to worry about a thing. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's good stuff. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the truth that you have given us of who we are. And Lord, we make a choice not to allow the enemy try to define who we are. Tell us that we're something that we're not. I thank you, Lord, that we are sons of God, that we belong to you. Father, some of us are just technons. We're just brand new in this thing. We've been born by the Spirit of God. We've been brought into the family of God, but we're growing into we are. We are coming into that relationship with you where we understand who we are. We're getting a hold of the truth of who we are and we're beginning to function in it, Lord. We know that you've given us a divine plan and destiny for our lives. And God, we want to follow it. We want to be what you have destined us to be. Lord, and we thank you, Father, that you give us the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill our destiny the way you designed it to be. You've been listening to Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.